This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop, Seager. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad, and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right. Welcome back. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for coming back once again. We got a big one. Yesterday was a big, big day for the Mariners. Not only did they just roll over the Minnesota Twins in game one of that series, but the draft is here. It was draft day. Man, I love the draft. So we are going to talk. We're going to go through the game yesterday, which was outstanding. Also, we're going to hear from the first two picks of the Mariners draft. And from all accounts, this was an excellent first day of the draft for the Mariners. We're going to hear from uh, Scott Hunter uh, in long form about kind of uh, Aaron Goldsmith sat down with him. Just This is his first draft in charge of the draft for the Mariners. And also he's going to talk specifically about the two players the Mariners drafted. We'll hear from Evan White, who was the first player the Mariners selected. So, and we'll have more in the drafts as we move through uh, the next few days, but this is uh, will be the initial takes on their first two picks, which sound very, very exciting. Evan White, a first baseman out of Kentucky, really good fielder, someone I can really appreciate as well. He's a left-handed thrower, a right-handed hitter, just like me. There's not too many of us out there. Ricky Henderson, There's just it's a short list. I'm not as good as Evan White or Ricky Henderson, as it turned out, but uh, that, that as an aside. Uh, well, also, <laughs> also exciting, uh, Sam Carlson, the draft pick who, from all accounts, uh, pretty stunning that he was where the Mariners selected him. Some great stuff uh, out of Minnesota, a high schooler. So we'll get the inside look at both in a few minutes. Okay, before we get to the game last night, I have a request, if you so choose. So I was putting together the podcast last night, and it's always the very last thing I do is I have to fill out the information, including the name, before I submit it to MLB. And then naming it is always the very last thing I do. And it's always like one in the morning, very tired. You know, I don't know what to name it. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I try and be clever. Oftentimes, that doesn't work. Sometimes, I ride a streak. I don't know if you noticed this last week, but when the Mariners, or two weeks ago, I guess, when the Mariners beat the Rockies, I named the first one after a John Denver song, and I decided, since they kept winning, to keep naming them after John Denver songs, which is why one of the podcasts became Annie's song. But here's my request. 
if you so choose. If you want to take some pressure off and start naming the podcast yourself after the game, or after, like tonight, for example, after the game is finished tonight, if you want to name the podcast, just tweet me at Gary Hill Jr., and I may select your suggestion. Has to be appropriate. It has to be. There's a there's a character limit. I'm not sure how long it is, so just keep it somewhat reasonable. But at Gary Hill Jr. on Twitter, we can start playing Name the Podcast. I think that'll be fun. And the next day, I will give you name credit on the podcast as well. Maybe I'll keep standings. Who gets the most named? That'd be fun. Okay, so that's what we're going to do starting tonight. Name the podcast. You have to wait till after the game is completed. Then I'll know exactly when to look for them. And, you know, you can tie it into the game. That would be ideal. So there it is. Name the podcast starting tonight. So Mariners, they won big yesterday, taking on the Minnesota Twins. They did not waste any time getting to work. Nelson Cruz in the first inning. Man, he has hit well in Minnesota in that ballpark. And he had a big ball game. The pitch on the way to Nelly. Swinging a ground ball up the middle into center field. That's going to score a couple. Here comes Gamble on to score from third. Rounding third. Heading home now is Hanniger. He will score. Up with the ball is Byron Buxton. The throw will go into second base. Nelson Cruz with a two-run single right back up the middle. 2 nothing. Mariners led in the first. Minnesota would answer with two runs in the first. So 2-2 two to two the score, but then Mariners would start to distance themselves. Welcome back, Mitch Hanniger. 2-1 pitch on the way. Hanniger with a swing and a drive. Center field and deep. Buxton going back on the run, and this one is going to be on the track and bounces over the wall in straightaway center field, and only two runs will score. Holy smokes, Mitch Hanniger with a ground rule double to straightaway center field. And the Mariners just really poured it on. They put four on the board in the second. They did not score in the third, but they get right back to work in the fourth inning. Here's the pitch. Runner at first go. Swinging a ground ball up the middle. A base hit for Danny Valencia. That'll score Hanniger from third. Seeger will make it around to third. He was off to the races. Running with a pitch. Up of the ball is Grossman. The throw into second base. Valencia with an RBI single with two outs. They would score again in the sixth inning, and they just kept adding on runs. Here's the pitch to Mike Zunino with a swing and a high fly ball deep into the gap left center field. Back she goes. Goodbye baseball. Mike Zunino with a home run. Back-to-back home runs by Danny Valencia and Mike Zunino. This one out to the double-deck bullpens out there. And how about Kyle Seeger in the mix? Pitch to Seeger. Swung on. Well hit ball down the right field line. It's going to be 14-3. Cruz rounding third. He'll score easily. Up with the ball is Kepler. The throw to second. Kyle Seeger with an RBI single scoring Nelson Cruz and now it's 14 to 3. 14 to 3. You heard that right. The Mariners pound out 19 hits on the way to a game one victory. Two in the first, four in the second, three in the third, one in the sixth, two in the eighth, two in the ninth as they win this one going away in game one of the series. Now a game below 500. At 32 and 33, Twins still in first at 30 and 28. But this was a game where everybody was in the mix. Gamble had two hits. He continues to roll. Two walks, scored three times. Now batting 331 with a 400 on base percentage. 
Mitch Henniger had four hits, scored four times, and drove in two runs. He's betting 348 with a 448 on base percentage. Cano with just one hit in an RBI. Cruz, two hits, four ribbies, two walks. Seeger, two hits, two RBIs. Valencia, two hits, three RBIs, and a laser of a home run. Zanino had three hits and two ribbies. Heredia chipped in a knock. Smith had two hits. He scored a run as well. Every Mariner except for Cano at least scored one run. Top two in the order combined for six hits and seven runs. Just a massive game offensively. And not to be uh, something that shouldn't be overlooked, Gallardo, who gave up two in the first, really settled in and gave the Mariners six strong, seven hits, three runs earned, one walk, and five strikeouts on 102 pitches. That was a solid outing. And it certainly helped that the Mariners just kept on scoring runs. And for the second time this year, the Mariners forced the backup catcher to take the mound and pitch again. I mean, this is amazing. The fifth time this year that Chris Jimenez has taken the mound as a pitcher. I think at this point he's officially part of the bullpen. He's putting together a nice little pitching resume. Five appearances this year, two last year for Cleveland, and then one in 2014 against the Texas Rangers. How about that? Maybe the Mariners will see him again in this series. We'll see. But a big win for the M's in game one of the series. Here's what Scott Service had to say about this ball game. Uh, outstanding offensive nine. We certainly, you know, we got silenced a little bit at, at home in the Toronto series. So uh, not totally surprising, you know, we bounced back tonight. But a lot of good at-bats um, you know, up and down the lineup. We got about two out-clutch hits with guys in scoring position. So uh, a great night offensively. And Gardo really threw the ball well after the first inning, you know, giving up a double, two-run double to Maurer. He, he settled in, uh, gave us six, and, uh, you know, uh, allowed us to you know, keep, the, keep the game moving along. So, uh Really excited. That's you know when Mitch Haniger and all the guys kind of keep moving their line. It's it's pretty fun offense to watch. How much do those one two set the tone in a game? Uh, game like tonight, obviously Gamble is you know really seeing the ball well, uh, not chasing pitches, just getting on base. The swing's been very good, very short, and uh, against left-handed pitching, you know you don't really expect that often from a, a young player, but. He's in a good spot, and then, you know, Hanniger just continues to grind at bats and, you know, feel good about when he gets in the box. He's always got a really good plan, and, you know, it's it's what it takes. It's, it's not just the guys in the middle all the time, and they'll certainly, uh, you know, contribute a bunch, but tonight it was kind of all the guys around. Is there something about Hanniger's night tonight that just kind of showed that he is settled in and back from that injury 100%? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he feels good. If, you know, physically, there's no limitations where he's at with the, the oblique issue, and, you know, it's nice to have a big night. He can just relax now and continue to go out and play. What did Gallardo do after that first inning? Uh, you know, I, I think with, with Yo, uh, you know, being aggressive, continuing to attack, you know, he does have a tendency to a lot of to run a lot of deep counts. You know, you get the two, two, three, two counts, but you know, he's a veteran, and, and most nights he does you know make pitches uh, when he gets in those spots, and he did tonight. You know, so credit to him, and it was important to get six innings. I know the pitch count was up early, but he kind of managed it uh, pretty well through the middle, and, and give us six was good. What did they tell you on the cruise? Non-home? You know, uh, originally they, they, you know, after the, the, the group got together, they decided, you know, they were calling a double. I owe it to the player to take it to review. I know the score of the game and what it seems like, but you know, it's a, you know, the players are out there busting their tail, and if there's a chance for it to be a home run, it needs to be looked at. So then it's a boundary call. And that's what we did. 
against Sama, he had not that well. Just last time they were there, what what was different tonight against him? Uh, he, he wasn't as sharp. Uh, I think there was more balls up in the up in the zone uh, that we were able to get on. You guys were seeing the ball pretty good off him. You know, once you see a guy, it's tough to come back and pitch against the same team again. You know, right after you seen him five days earlier. So, uh, you know, I, I thought we did a good job getting him to get the ball up and we put some pretty good swings on. So, how important was this for Gallardo though, as a whole? He hadn't had an outing like this in quite a while. Uh, it's it's important. I think last time he pitched, he pitched very well. He just had a stretch of four batters that ran him into trouble, and it's culminated by the three-run homer by Sano at our place. So he stayed away from that for the most part tonight. The first innings looked like it was going to be a little shaky, but uh, I thought he threw the ball well last time out, except for that four-hitter stretch, and, and tonight it was, it was pretty consistent throughout as well. So there it is, Skipper reacting to game one of this series. M's get a big one. 5-10 tonight, game two. Christian Bergman, 3-3 three and three, with a 4.03 ERA. And the Mariners will try and enact a little revenge on Kyle Gibson. Last time Gibson took the mound, in the midst of some struggles, his ERA was uh, above 7, but he pitched really well against the Mariners the last time out. He has struggled this year, although his last three starts have been better. Still, the overall numbers in 10 starts, a 6.52 ERA, He's given up seven long balls, 62 hits, and just over 48 innings of work this season. So he's been knocked around. But last time against the M's, six innings, five hits, one run. And the Twins won that game 2-1. to one. That was the one they salvaged to avoid the sweep. Now the Mariners would love to get the game tonight and take the first two of this series in Minnesota and get back to 500. It's amazing, too. I was looking at the standings, and... It just feels like this is going to be a wild ride the rest of the way in the American League because as we sit here right now, the Yankees playing great. You know, they beat the Angels last night. They've won six in a row. Their offense is just churning. They're on top of the East. Minnesota lost a couple in a row now. It just feels like at some point Cleveland is going to turn it on, and we'll see if Minnesota can fend them off. But right now Minnesota's in the central leading and then Houston, 44-21 and 21 now. They've lost two in a row, and they've lost about four starting pitchers now. So they are now in the same boat that the Mariners have been in for quite some time, with McCullers going to the DL. Keuchel is there as well. So this next stretch is going to be pretty interesting for the Astros, still with that muscle-bound offense, but a little, really short in the, sta- in the pitching staff. So... Boston right now is the first wild card, and they're up by two and a half games on the second. But here's what is fascinating by how things are shaking out right now. You have Cleveland and Tampa Bay tied for the second wild card. You have Baltimore, the Angels, the Mariners, the Rangers, the Blue Jays, all within a game and a half. And if you want to throw the Tigers in there, they're within two. So Cleveland, Tampa, Baltimore, the Angels, the Mariners, the Rangers – Blue Jays, Tigers, I mean, all in the mix. It is just, it is hard to know, hard to forecast how this is all going to shake out. But there are so many teams hovering around the 500 mark, and the Seattle Mariners are right there. We'll see if they can continue to take advantage of the Minnesota Twins. They're hoping, also, they draft, they drafted some players that will help them in the future. The first one was Evan White. White selected with the 17th overall pick out of Kentucky. 
also a USA Baseball Golden Spikes Award semifinalist, All-SEC second team and All-SEC defensive team. He's had an excellent career with Kentucky. Uh, this year has been spectacular, batting 373 on the season, batted 376 last year, slugging 637, an on-base of 453. He can just flat-out hit, 10 homers, 41 RBIs, 24 doubles, this year he's scored 48 runs, has had a big season for the Wildcats, and really unique because he has excellent speed. He plays tremendous defense, is very athletic. Actually could probably play some outfield as well. You'll hear him talk about that in a moment, but uh, they like his defense at first base. First, uh, let's hear from Scott Hunter, the scouting director for the Mariners, on Evan White. At this point, just wanted to let everybody know we uh... – just drafted Evan White, University of uh, Kentucky first baseman. Uh, it's a good day for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, one of the things we discussed is about getting more athletic, uh, putting some kids into the system that have potential for a major league impact. But uh, more importantly, this is a kid I think we all can root for. Uh, he's wired right, as I told a lot of the people in, uh, <coughs> in the uh, interview room outside the uh, draft room. But uh, yeah, it's exciting. The kid's excited, we're excited about it. And it's, uh, as I said, it's a, it's a kind of player you can root for. Is he a first baseman or what are you kind of? Yeah, we've gone back and forth with that. He is going to go out as a first baseman. Um, I actually met with Evan oh, about three weeks ago in uh, Lexington. We watched a practice, me and Jackson Lauman, who's done an outstanding job with, uh, with Evan. Um, our Southeast cross checker, Jesse Capellish. These are two guys that, being my first year with the organization in regards to this capacity in this position, um, really raised the flag to get me in there to see him. Um, he's a unique young man because he's not the prototypical workout showcase player. Um, when I met with him, spoke to the coaches, they rave about his not only his routine, but his dedication to the game, the teammates, and also um, playing first base. I mean, I've gotten a lot of people who have Compared him to a lot of major league first basemen that are in the upper echelon where we're talking 70, 80 defenders. Um, I was in major league camp one year with uh, the uh, New York Mets when John Olerud was there. When I first saw him, I, this is the type of first baseman that makes everybody around him a little bit better. Uh, he's going to save runs for an infield. So we're in no rush to move him off of first base because it would actually be uh, taken away from one of the reasons we really uh, targeted him. Sounds like the expectation yeah, there were a few bumps, a little, a couple of landmines we had to navigate through, to be quite honest. Um, this is a guy I started targeting probably about three or four weeks ago. Um, one of the few guys I actually went in, um, spent an extra day just to watch how he practiced, just sit in the stands, just to see uh, what he was all about. Because, you know, anytime you're on the outside looking in, you never get a real good feel for the person. So we just, Jackson and I sat, watched practice, sat around on a rainy day until about 5 o'clock at night where we met him in one of the uh, conference rooms just to get the get an understanding of the person and um i would say he passed with flying colors as i told him on the phone tonight he had me at hello you know is it it's a it's a corny joke but a true one i mean he's one of those special kids that really lit you up at what point you guys looked like you would kind of like him in there before he was drafted so you knew you had him at what point were you ever really uh, once we got past Kansas City, right. um, I had some friends in other draft rooms as high as 11 saying uh, it's going to be close. Um, then we got past the Pirates, which I uh, speaking with his agent said was probably our real competition at that point. Um, and then there was a couple, I don't want to say misfires, but unexpected moves by other teams that 
you could probably see the air in the room. Uh, I had a few sidebar conversations with some of our veteran guys, with Tommy Allison, um, just to go over some contingency plans just in case this didn't fall in our lap. And uh, I would say the stars aligned for us a little bit today. So there it is. That's the reaction. And let's hear from Evan White now on being drafted by the Mariners. It's been incredible. Um, I really can't put in words how, uh, how much this means to me and my, my family and friends. Um, you know, it's, it's a heck of a night, and it's, you know, there's a ton going on, and you know, it, nothing has really settled in yet. And I, you know, it's, I'm gonna have to pinch myself to, to make sure I'm, you know, I'm really living this. Um, it's, it's a dream come true, and I'm very thankful for the, uh, the Mariners giving me this opportunity. Evan, did you have any sort of feel about where you might go? Uh, yeah, we had a little bit of an idea. Um, you know, I had a few good meetings with the Mariners. Um, you know, it, it seemed like it went really well, and. Um, you know, my advisor had an idea on, on where that was going to happen. Um, we had a few few teams that we uh, we really honed in on and you know, had ideas on, um, but I'm very thankful that it ended up uh, being Seattle. Are there any first basemen that uh, come to mind that are similar to your game, Evan? Oh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, some someone that comes to my mind is, is Eric Hosmer. Um, he's just, you got a lot of power in me right now, obviously. Um, you know, but he, he plays a great first base and he's a gold glover over there. Um, it's something I, it's someone I watch and, and admire and, uh, you know, really try to model my game after. Um, but, you know, just, just, you know, athletic first baseman that can, that can pick it and, uh, you know, swing and, and help the teams win in, in different facets of the game. You, is first base your, I mean, you've played some other spots. Do you feel, you feel like first base is where you should be? Uh, to be honest with you, right now, um, that's just the position I played most. So I obviously feel more comfortable there. Um, whatever the Mariners need me to do um, to, you know, help the ball club win is, is what I'm willing to do. So whether that's first base or, you know, anyone in the outfield, uh, more than willing to, uh, you know, take on that challenge. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just, I'm just more comfortable at first right now, just because, you know, that's what I've done more in my uh, my lifetime. So there it is. That's Evan White, the Mariners' first round draft pick. Now with their 55th selection overall. They took Sam Carlson out of Burnsville, Minnesota High School. Not surprisingly, he had an excellent year there, a 0-5-3 ERA, two earned runs and 34 innings with 53 punch outs. Here's what Scott Hunter said about Sam Carlson. 6'4", 215-pound right-hander, athlete. Um, chance for three-plus pitches up to 95, 96 as we speak now. Um, with an advanced feel for a high school kid, especially from a cold weather climate with a plus change as we speak. Slider's a little bit come and go, uh, needs a little uh, fine-tuning to his delivery, but a uh, cold weather kid with huge upside, uh, I don't think uh, as an organization we could have done better than we did today with where we had um, Evan White placed. Sam Carlson was, uh, we didn't think we'd have a chance. He was actually um, on the outside looking in at some contingency plans earlier in the draft for us. So we're extremely happy as an organization. There was some talk of him being a, being a, a first round. Yeah, um, we, we even heard some um, rumors that he could go before us and then in the mid-20s. Um, so this is a kid that we are, we're extremely surprised that was there at 55. We were able to be somewhat flexible with our bonus pool, uh, with the support of Jerry and the organization. I know high school pitching isn't the best demographic in regards to um, the history of the draft, but this is one that uh, I think Jerry might have been more excited than I was when we pulled the name. Why do you think he, any reason you think he 
Yeah, you know what? I think it was just a combination of his commitment to the University of Florida, um, the uh, the cold season up in Minnesota. I mean, we saw him early, but uh, guys really didn't get in there um, when the weather started breaking until the end of April, early May. So he just actually pitched two days ago. And I know some guys, area scouts are in there, but it was just a window of opportunity that if you got in there and didn't see him great early, then um, you might have a different impression than how we stayed home. Because this is a Ben Coleman, our area scout in that area, in that region, did an outstanding job. He actually brought Sam Carlson's name to the table in January after a workout, telling us how many strides he made, made from the summer. And from the time he had his first spring training outing in Arizona when I was there during our meetings, we had somebody at his game for at least six straight, including Tom McNamara, which was a, a driving force in helping us get this done. So there it is, some info on the first two selections. And again, we'll have uh, talk about the draft the next few days as it will continue. The Mariners will continue with the Minnesota Twins as well. So a big day for the Mariners yesterday, a pretty great day as they get a big win as well. So more with Scott Hunter. Aaron Goldsmith had a chance to sit down with the scouting director for the Mariners. Scott, very exciting times for you, for the Seattle Mariners, the number 17 overall pick in the draft this year. For you, it will be your first draft. What are your emotions like in the days leading up to draft day? Yeah, the anxiety starts setting in. Um, I will say it's been really exciting. You know, and as, as I've talked to people and I've heard over the years and never really understood what it meant until I've been sitting in this chair is that it's almost like uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning for a baseball person since you get to open up some new gifts and hopefully, uh, you know, when you open it up, you're excited what you have. The baseball draft is so unique from the standpoint of position player or pitcher, high school or college. How do you go about making up those decisions? Because there's so many different routes that any particular team can take. Yeah, I think you have to look at the depth of the draft. Also, um, where the talent in your system you have already, where you're getting it from, and balance the risk and reward. I don't think you get locked into college over high school. It always comes down to how the player fits for your organization and what you think their upside is. What is the relationship for the director of amateur scouting to a general manager? Because both of you guys, you and Jerry DePoto, are very much a part of this process, but you are overseeing all of it. You know, it's been increasingly getting uh, closer, I would say, as we got closer. He's been really great. He's let me do my job, our staff go out and do our job. He's been um, a sounding board for me because he's got a lot of experience, and I, I know he's a student of the draft, and we've gone over different draft scenarios. And in the position I sit in, you know, as I told Jerry when I took the job, it's it's more about me wanting to be in alignment what his vision is for this organization so we can continue to put a, uh, waves of talent into the system that hopefully help us in the big leagues and hopefully win here. It's pretty easy to find what basic statistics look like on paper. How do you go about scouting the intangibles for a player? Yeah, it all starts with our area scout. Everything, every um, as we said in January to our staff, every Every big leaguer in the history of the big leagues started with an area supervisor, an area scout in a small town, um, just going out to a baseball game. That initial meeting when they start building, a, um, I don't want to say a, a relationship more so than a professional relationship, but some of our guys really get in deep with these players, get to know them both on and off the field, so they get the comfort level that once they get out in the pro ball, they not only can handle it, but they'll get the most out of their ability. And how many players are we talking about that, you are looking at and your staff is looking at not just for the first round but of course for the whole thing oh I could probably pull up numbers but it's probably started off with about I would say at the end of the day we probably ran through about 1200 players filter it down and continue to filter it down till we get to about 100 on our main draft board um, but we'll probably have about 
I would say five to six hundred names in regard in all of our boards when the draft is so we're prepared. When you look at the first round, what are the conversations like between you, everyone on the staff, all the scouts, just to come up with the top 10, the top 25, the top 100, as you're saying, because it's all, after all, based on a lot of its opinion. Yeah, it always starts with tools. Like, what do they bring to the table? What, I mean, how can they impact the game, not only now, but, you know, four or five years from now that, you know, ultimately want to uh, help us at the big league level maybe win a championship? Do they run fast? Do they throw hard? Can they use their stuff? We, we get into things like what we can see, but also what we know in regards to the history of the draft, the history of a player's um, statistical profile, how long they've been at college, what demographic they come from, high school bat, high school arm. Um, we really we, we slice the, the uh, layers of the onion pretty thin as we go deeper into this. Is there a style of player that the Mariners gravitate towards more than others? Uh, I think any baseball person will tell you you're looking for athletes with big upside, which means big tools. Um, you know, any player that steps on the field, they got to have the ability to use it. So as I've always told our guys and I learned early on, tools get you into the system, but the makeup gets you through the minor leagues and into the big leagues and keeps you there. Because as I met and played with some big league guys when I was in the major league uh, roster with the Mets, a lot of the big league guys would always say, it's easy to get here, but it's hard to stay here. And that, that six tools we call about the makeup portion of it is uh, the deciding factor in a lot of our decisions. Scott, last year a number of us were invited into the war room here at Safeco Field on draft day, and it was startling to me to realize how calm it was when the first-round pick was selected. This, there, was, there was no debate. It was simply look at the whiteboard, see who's the top of the list, the guys that have been taken off, reveal uh, the next man up. Is, is the first-round pick the easiest in that regard since it's a little more uh, easy to keep up with uh, the picks at that point? Yeah, we'll, we'll see in about a week, but I think it's more <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's more eerie silence than anything because you're holding your breath waiting for the one name that falls in your lap and you're, you're hoping it's the guy that you want. Um, you know, the anticipation what other teams do when you're picking 17, and we have 16 rounds or 16 players to go before we can really start feeling good, and I think once – the call is made, uh, you can tell a, a big sigh of relief will hit that room. Scott, your time is very valuable. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Anytime. Look forward to doing it in the future. Rupert Jones, center fielder, Kansas City, is the first choice by the Seattle Mariners in the expansion draft. I came in right on time. I got picked up in the expansion draft, and I got to a city that really wanted baseball and really loved baseball. And uh, the people there are fantastic. We have, we, we have a nice turnout. We got, we got a nice team. My team played with a lot of heart and desire. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm having the most fun I've had in my life. See you later! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.